This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, it is good to see you at God's house today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am glad to be back in God's country. We had a great time on our trip, but uh, I am thankful to be home. You never know, I shared this briefly Wednesday night, you never know who you're going to run into on these trips. I got to uh, Amsterdam, climbed on the next plane, flying from Amsterdam to Budapest, and normally my, my routine is the same. I go in, I put on my headphones, I zone out, and uh, I'll you know wake me up basically on the other end. But as I sat down, there was a man beside me who looked uh, like he wanted to talk. So I just started engaging with him just briefly and started talking with him. And, and I, I said, where are you from? And he said, well, Atlanta. And I said, well, I'm, I'm from Atlanta area too. And he said, well, actually, I just moved to a little town called Dawsonville, Georgia. <laughs> I said, you did? <laughs> My God set this up. Come on now, amen. <laughs> and so Dawsonville, Georgia. I said, where in Dawsonville, Georgia? He said, Nick's Bridge Road. I said, uh, how many of you that's close to your house? Anybody? Come on. I said, that's about a mile and a half from my house. And uh, I said, isn't this interesting? God orders the footsteps of the righteous. Amen. So I get over to uh, Usurad, uh, Ukraine, and, and there's a little G in there. I'm having trouble pronouncing. Anyways, Ukraine. <laughs> and um, the first guy I meet starts talking to me. He's my translator. Perfect, perfect Southern English. <laughs> and it turns out that the people who taught them English when the wall fell, the first missionaries who taught them all English were from coming Georgia. <laughs> I said, interesting. He said, well, I'm going to be in a place called Buford in two weeks. Do you know where that is? I said, yes, I know where Buford is. And so I, I started realizing God was lining up things. I'm flying back from Budapest to Amsterdam. I sit down. I look at the family next to me. I'm just a little wigged out by this point. So I said, hey, where are you guys from? And they said, New York. I said, whoo, I'm saved. Come on, man. <laughs> and they said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from a little place called Dawsonville, just north of Cumming. Hey, they said that couple right in front of you are from Windermere in Cumming, Georgia. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, you got to be careful where you are and what you're doing. Amen. But listen to what we were doing because you equipped us. We were able to take, I think it was 26 pastors and their wives, bring them together, encourage them. They brought, one family actually brought fragments of their home. Fragments of their home. And we think about all of our problems, but they laid out a door hinge that had shrap metal through it and laid out a picture and said, this is what our home was. And this is what, after the invading forces moved into the east of Ukraine, this is, this is what's left. And he said, pastor, to make it worse, he said, we, we had already fled the, from the home because it was such a war zone. He said, my father and my mother went to the house to salvage what they could and an unexploded bomb went off and killed my dad. And then with tears, I found something that I don't know that I've ever found on trips as strong. I found a, a heart of gratitude that's the depth of, of which I've not experienced normally on a mission trip. They could not believe that somebody on the other side of the world took time just to tell them they were loved. 
I am so thankful to be part of a church that will encourage others because we make connections with those pastors who are now going to work together, and I'm believing they're going to see revival. I got to leave there and go to... How many of you went to, to uh, Debreson, Hungary with me? Can I see your hand if you've been to... There's several hands all around this room. I got to go from there to Debreson, Hungary, to where we started a church, or we helped start a church with Stephen Everett, uh, Penny Everett uh, about a decade or so ago. And in that church, we've had the honor of seeing it grow now. Uh, and I didn't realize how much. We had about 30 Hungarians and about 19 international students now we have about 19 Hungarians and 200 and something international students from all over the world. It blew my mind. Many from India, many from Korea, many from Africa, from the heart of Dubai, literally right there to where now they are saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're going back to the doctor and the spiritual leader of the community. So they're going to be able to make a difference all because of, uh, of what God has done through people willing to obey God. Amen. Isn't God good to us? Yes. Amen. Why don't you open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 22. 1 Samuel chapter number 22. I'm going to bring you a message this morning entitled, uh, Pull the Plug. Pull the Plug. I didn't share uh, this, this story uh, earlier, and, and I'm, I'm actually remiss to, uh, I don't know why it keeps coming to my heart, but I think you may need to get the graphicness of this for just a moment. When you're traveling Europe, there's a couple of things you should not expect. You should not expect a bed that's much bigger than that. It's really true. It's about the beds are about that wide, and and about my height. And very rarely would you ever encounter a bathtub while you're in Europe. You'll see showers in every hotel, but very rarely would you encounter a bathtub. Well, we stopped at one hotel, and it was a fairly nice uh, a setting. Uh, uh, and so we go in, and, and we're all you know go into our rooms. And and one of the guys traveling with me came to me, and he's like, he's like, Pastor, there's a bathtub in the room. I was like, yeah, yeah, there's a bathtub in the room. He's like, you don't know how long it's been since I've seen a bathtub. I said, well, well, you know, you might want to use that thing, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, no. He's like, ah. he said, you're going to lose me for hours. I haven't had a, a, a bathtub experience forever. And, and I thought, well, that, God bless you. But then I got to thinking about that. I have a friend that when he goes into a room, he stands, his pastor, when he stands at the room, he opens the door and he says, God, I rebuke everything from the window to the door and from the ceiling to the floor that has happened in this place. Come on, amen. And I got to thinking about the thousands and thousands of people who climbed down in that bathtub. Should I stop there? And I thought, God, there is no way on this planet I'm going to use that thing because I don't even know if it's clean. Can I tell you why I struggled with sharing that story with you? Because it's gross, right? I struggled with it because I know where we're going in this, this sermon. And this is the, the truth that I want you to get from the very beginning of the sermon. Life wants to dump everybody else's junk on you. And it wants you to take a, a bath, literally, in that mess. And it wants to get to be a part of who you are. And so today, our goal in this message is to attack all that that's tried to attach itself to you in your life. So, with that said, let's bow our heads and ask God to open the Word to us. God, I'm standing in front of people now. There are people listening, there are people watching who are covered in the remnants of a whole lot of pain. 
They're covered in the remnants of, of junk that has come into their lives, Father. They didn't bring it. They didn't, they didn't ask for it, but it has affected them. God, we all are walking uh, examples of what we have been through in our lives. Today, I ask you to speak to us. I ask you to open this word to us that we might become something different. And Lord, that we might pull the plug on the sin that's trying to cover us. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 22. This is a moment in David's life that's not a good moment. It's a low point for David. And here's what the Scripture says. Then David said to Abathar, that day when Dog the Edomite was there, and I'll explain that to you in a moment, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, and this is the part I want you to see of this passage, I am, what's that word? I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Wow. I mean, David's at an extremely low point. Here's what's happened. David finds out that his father-in-law Saul is going to try to kill him, so he flees for his life, flees out the window, flees for his life. And as he flees for his life, David finds his men, gathers his men. They, they begin to head into the wilderness, and, and he's hungry, and they're hungry. They didn't have time to take any, any uh, food with them, so they stop by the tabernacle. And there in the tabernacle, there's a table called the table of showbread. And upon the, the table of showbread, and there would have been some reserves for that, there are these large loaves that are put there in remembrance of the different tribes. And, and so David says to them, I, 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 I want the showbread to feed my men. The priests respond and they say, David, you could eat this. It's not really important that you are not even right that you should. But if you were holy, you could eat this. And this is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. They said, if you were holy, you could eat this. And David responds. He says, we are holy, even though our mission is not. And suddenly they take those breads and they leave. And Dog, who is there, flees to Saul with golden information. And he tells him, I know where David is headed, and I know who helped him. And Saul, in all of his anger, calls them uh, treasonous. And he sends uh, those forth, and they slay all of those priests who had aided David. And this is what happens when David hears about the pain that has been caused. Listen to what he says. I'm responsible. It's my fault. It's my fault that this has happened. And I don't know if you figure that out in your life or not, but I, I've really figured it out that, that when something goes wrong and a problem comes, we automatically start divvying up fault. All right, who, who's really responsible for this? Who can I blame for this? And, and, and you might take a little bit of fault, but you're hoping somebody else has more fault because whoever has more fault ends up with all the fault. And so we find ourselves living in this mess and wallowing in this mess of pain and wallowing in this mess of struggles, trying to figure out whose fault it is and trying to figure out who we can blame for our, our problems and trying to figure, instead of realizing that we are fighting for our lives, we're too busy divvying up who's responsible. Can I tell you today that God didn't call you to hang on by a thread? God called you to stand on solid ground and God's called you to something better and God wants to help you get your feet on that ground today. And so David finds himself there. But look what David does. He pulls out his instrument. He pulls out his writing pad. And, and he begins to write. And he writes Psalms chapter 52 uh, at this point. That, and as he's writing from his pain, you can hear it in the first verses of Psalms 52 as he's writing from this point. Here's what he says in verse number 3. He says, You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. 
You love to destroy others with your words, you liar. I mean, he's pouring out of his heart. He's in this moment of pain. He's in this moment of struggle. He's, he's putting fault right where it belongs. He's, he, he says, I'm responsible. They're dead. And, and then he, then he turns and he goes, but, but it's not all my fault. And he starts just calling out the enemy for what he was. And, 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 and all of that's just pouring out of his heart. Something changes between verses three and four and verse number eight. Something shifts inside of him and he goes from pointing all this blame and pointing all this fault and, and literally bathing in the, the, that, that responsibility of the problem and the struggle to verse number 8. And listen to the change. He says, but I am like an olive tree. I am thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise You forever, O God, for what You have done. I will trust in Your good name in the presence of Your faithful people. He says, look, God, I know that there's a problem, but you're still God and you're still good and you're still faithful and I still have a reason to exalt your name. So what happens in David's life? Well, let me give you one other example. I shared this story with you several years ago, but there was a man by the name of Victor Frankel. And Victor Frankel and his family were herded up down the streets of, of Europe and put onto a cattle car and they were shipped across the, the country to a horrible death camp. Victor Frankel and his family were led into the death camp. They would go in, but only Victor Frankel would come out. His mother, his brother, and his wife would not survive the death camp. When Victor Frankel would come forth, he had nothing left. Uh, they had even taken his name. He had not heard his name in so long. He was simply number 119104. They had taken, as it seemed, everything from him. And he had no idea why he was the only one in his family who had survived. Once Frankel would found himself, here's what he would say. He would make this statement and he would declare this. He said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. He said, look guys, I don't know why I survived. I don't know why I'm the only one that came through. I don't know why this happened to me. And he could spend his life wallowing in that and wallowing in a bottle and wallowing, wallowing in strife. Look, bad things happen to good people. Trouble comes. Problem comes. But the truth that both of these men revealed to us is powerful. The truth that we see here is so awesome that both of them were at low points in their life. They both were experiencing pain, but then at some point they made a decision. They made a decision that I might not be able to control what's happened to me, but I can control what I do. And here, David goes from being, listen to me carefully, responsible and this is a word that I want you to get to response able. Nobody has shouted over that word in all three services, but it's true. That you need to stop doling out fault for why you are where you are and start becoming response able. Start making up your mind that you might not be able to handle uh, all of the details of where you are, and you might not be able to straighten out all the problems, and you you might not even uh, listen to me. You might not even be able to fix all the pain you've caused in the past. But all you can do right now is shake yourself, get up out of that 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 tub of mess, and become response able, because you are able to do something different. You are able to go to a better place. You are able to grow and to climb out of that situation. You are able to see God move for you in your situation. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. God's good to us. 
You see, I want you to get this truth. There is no situation under the sun in which your ability to respond can be taken away from you. You may not control your circumstances, but you do control your reactions to them. Taking responsibility doesn't mean admitting fault. It means making the most of any and every situation you find yourself in. So what do you do when your marriage is falling apart at the seams? What do you do when your work environment goes from bad to worse? What do you do when an addiction spins out of control? What do you do to get to the right place? Well, I'm going to give you three easy steps here. Are you ready for this? Number one, take heart. Take heart. Now that's an old phrase, but I want you to catch it from the verse that it comes from. John chapter 16, verse 33 said this way, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Sometimes you just need to shake yourself. Sometimes you just need, I remember one situation in my life where I was angry and, and bitter and, and I couldn't worship and I couldn't find what God was wanting to do for me because I was at a dark place in my life and God caused me to see somebody who was in a 10 times worse situation than I was in and I saw them with their hands lifted up and their face lifted up and their eyes worshiping God from the depth of their being and I looked at my own situation and I thought of how much pity I had had and how much struggles I was feeling and how how angry I was. And I looked across and I said, God, my struggle doesn't even begin to compare to their struggle. And if they can worship you, then God forgive me for not worshiping you. And so I shook myself and I took heart in my situation. And I realized though I may not like where I am, it does not change who's with me. It does not change that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. It does not change the favor of God and who I am. Now look, I haven't stressed this point in any of the other services, but y'all about to get it because I feel it. Somebody in here needs to shake yourself. You need to come to the place that you stop looking at all the wrongs and you start thanking God for the rights. You are not where you could be. You are here this morning. You are free to make this choice. You're not living in a country where you're having to flee from all the things that are blowing up your home. You have the opportunity to take heart in Christ who strengthened you. Amen. Take heart because Christ who overcome is, this world is on your side. Overcame this world. Listen, secondly, take responsibility. And realize you're going to have to make a choice how you respond. There's one of two ways you're going to respond. Either in fear or in faith. You're either going to live in fear or you're going to live in faith. You see, fear puts itself between you and God. But faith puts God between you and your problem. And God's looking for people who will choose to have the right response to put God in His rightful place in their lives. Now, you're going to have to do one other thing that people don't like. You ready for this? You've got to take heart. You've got to take responsibility. And third, you're going to have to make decisions against yourself. You're going to have to make decisions. Let me read to you what I, what I wrote here. The best decision you can make for yourself is making decisions against yourself. You have to discipline yourself to do the right things day in and day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, until the answer comes. You see, if you do what you're supposed to do, the payoff will be greater than the price you paid. So here's what you're going to have to do to make decisions against yourself. 
I know this is going to sound odd in our world we live in, but you're going to have to resist temptation. I'll get back to that one. You're going to have to make some tough decisions. You're going to have to stand on some personal convictions. These may not be right or wrong for others, but you believe these convictions are what is best for you and your family. Oftentimes, people you love are going to criticize you for making the right stand on your convictions, but you're going to have to make that decision. You see, if you want God's best, you can't just say no to what's wrong. You have to say no to second best because good isn't good enough. God's looking for somebody who wants to be all they can be for Christ. See, 1 Corinthians 10.23 tells us everything is permissible to us, but not everything is beneficial for us. We're going to have to come to the place that we understand. I want you to get this today. We're going to have to come to the place that we understand that God's trying to do something in us, and sometimes we're going to have to say no to what we want. For example, you're going to have to tell yourself, no, if you want to get strong uh, financially, you're going to have to make some decisions against yourself and create, forgive me for using this bad word, but create a budget. Now, this next point that I'm going to make, I I argued with God. I said, God, that's hypocritical for me to make that point. But just because I'm struggling doesn't give you an out. If you want to get in better shape, you're going to have to make some decisions against yourself. Come on now. And get more active. Come on. I won't use the dirty word. Exercise. But anyways, let's go on. Third. You're going to have to, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to make some decisions against yourself. And God forbid, but you might need to fast. You might need to get up earlier to pray. You're going to have to make the tough decisions. Sometimes you have to understand they're worth it. You see, if you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have to to make the decisions that that are against yourself. And I guess I have to ask you the question today is what decision do you need to make against yourself? What do you need to stop doing so that you can move to a better place? To be response-able, you're going to need to channel the right power into that moment, into that decision. Now, there are two Greek words for power in Scripture that you need to learn today. The first is dunamis. Now, dunamis is the power to do things beyond your ability. Okay, So God wants to give you dunamis power. Okay, He wants to cause you to overcome in places that you haven't been able to win on your own. He wants to give you dunamis power. It's good stuff. You need dunamis power. Dunamis power, you need that. But He also wants to give you exousia. And exousia is the power not to do something that's within your ability. You see, if you really want to grow in God and you want to do what's right in every situation, you're going to have to have the power to do what's right in every situation. You see, dunamis is what helps you bench press 200 pounds. But XOC is what helps you not take another Oreo. Come on now. How many of you are like, Pastor, I'm doing good in the dunamis, but I, I don't know about that XOC. Amen. It's like eating one chip. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, i got to have some XOC here. You see, you've got, you're going to have to take a moment and realize that God's come to equip you. Sometimes you have the power to say it, but you shouldn't say it. Your response, able. Sometimes you need to say it, and you need the dunamis of God to help you say it. This, Jesus Himself came in, in both of these. 
He came in dunamis power. He walked on water. He walked through walls. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He had dunamis. He was omnipotent. He had all the power that he needed. And he operated within that power. Yet from the cross, he even declared the ability of, of his dunamis power. He said in Matthew 26, 53, he said, Do you not think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? He's saying, look, guys, don't you understand? I have the power to come off this cross. But it was not the power of dunamis that held him on the cross. It was the power of exousia where he said, I hold myself here. I can come off of this cross if I want to, but I choose to take up this cross because of what it gains me on the other side. Can I tell you today that the dunamis power of God wants to move in your life so that when you come to an exousia moment in your life where you have to choose between sin, but choose between pain, choose between what can be better for your life, and you're standing there looking at it, you say, this exousia power, power of Christ helps me take up my Christ, my cross also and serve Jesus when I have the right to do something else. My goodness. The next argument you have, I pray that you have more ecstasy than dunamis. Come on now. Amen. Go home fighting with your spouse and I can hear it now. Some of you going to say, my dunamis is fighting my ecstasy right now. Come on. But it's the ecstasy of power of God that causes you not to say what you shouldn't say. It's the power of God that causes you not to dump something else into somebody else's tub that fills up pain around them and causes fault and pains and struggles. Look, you were right. You may have been wrong. I don't know which one you were, but get over it and pull the plug on that thing and get on with your life and allow God to make you whole into something new. You're going to fight with sin. Struggles are going to come to do the wrong thing. You're going to have the power to do that sin. When you fight with sin, realize something. Even Jesus was tempted to sin. Pastor Don. Well, believe Hebrews, the Word of God. We do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize uh, whatever it says there with our weaknesses. (laughs) But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So... What happens if you find yourself falling into a sin? Can I tell you a real simple uh, a formula for you? Ready for this? Repent and repeat. Repent and repeat. Let me explain that to you. When you find yourself having fallen in something, you need to get on your knees and you need to tell God you're sorry for it. And then you need to fight that battle one more time. And this time you need to win. Pastor Don, why would I want to fight it again? I failed last time. Because in case you haven't figured it out, it doesn't matter where you go, what you do, you will fight the same battles until you beat them. And you have to use the dunamis and the exousia to overcome. I'm about to give you a phrase. Get your phones ready. Get your, get your whatever it is you put notes with ready. Because I might not be able to deliver it like it deserves, but you need this. Listen to me. If you want to overcome sin, you need a dream of a destiny to help you overcome that sin. You need to get a vision of what can be. Pastor Don, I just don't get it. You're going to in just a moment. Because if you're fed up and tired of your marriage 
And all you can see is the pain. You'll never walk in victory. What you need to see is what God says it can be. And you need to get a vision of what God says your marriage can be. And when you get a vision of what God says your marriage can be, you stop looking here and you start looking there. And and that gives you the deutimus to get up one more time. And it gives you the exousia to overcome what you shouldn't be doing at that moment. Come on now. And it helps you reach a better place because you say, I'm not going to stay in this. We're going to get over there. And somebody said, well, what if my spouse won't go with me? Well, drag them kicking and screaming if you need to. God will give you the dunamis. Come on now. Amen. Pastor Don, I'm telling you prayer works. I'll never forget that day that Christina was misbehaving so bad. The one day in all these years, I'll never, I'll preach about it till the day I die. Come on now. She was wrong. She had a wrong attitude. She had a wrong heart. And I told her she was wrong. She didn't agree with me, but I told her she was wrong. We started backing out of the driveway. I said, I'm not fighting with you anymore. I started calling on the name of the Lord under my breath. I'm Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just a praying. I'm driving. And we drove one-fourth of a mile. And I'm telling you, I'm just quiet as I can be driving along. I, I am using exosia to the fullest of its ability. I have not said another word, but I'm calling on the name of the Lord. And I'm like, God, you're going to have to deal with this woman you gave me. Come on. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't even my I was not the one in the wrong. She was having a fight with somebody else and I was telling her she was wrong about it. And I was like, I was like, God, you're going to have to deal with this guy. And all of a sudden, I mean, I just, I, I drove from my driveway to 400. It was about a fourth of a mile. And I tur- was turning out on the 400 and suddenly, all of a sudden, she just reached out and hits me. Just boom. I looked at her, she said, stop praying right now. She said, God's dealing with my heart. I said, well, good. You need God to deal with your heart. Come on now. You think I'm joking, but what I'm telling you is when you get a vision of something better and your prayers begin to line up with a vision of something better, you've written it down and you know where you're going. Am I making sense to anybody? God wants to use you to go to a better place. You need that. Now, here's another thing you need to be careful with. The enemy knows how and when to hit you where it hurts. And he's going to come to you and try to distract you from the power that you have to be response-able because he's going to know where you're hurting. It's the areas of your life that you feel like your needs aren't being met in that the enemy's going to attack. It's the areas of your life that the enemy... And I'm just going to... Look... (laughs) This next statement, I'm just to, I, you know, the first services, they're all way up there in age. I could not even discuss this in that service. But we're going to talk about it in this service. Sex. I just couldn't do it in that first service. <laughs> Listen to me. The reason most of us sin is because we're trying to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And the devil wants to hit you where it hurts because you feel like somebody's not taking care of your needs. What I'm telling you is really, really, really important that, that husbands and wives have a healthy sexual relationship because the best offense is a good defense. I thought I'd get like 1,500 amens on that. <laughs> but listen to me carefully. 
You see, what happens is the devil shows up and you've lost the vision of your relationship and your marriage where he can go. So he shows up because you, you no longer feel satisfied in your relationship and he, he starts attacking you where it hurts. And before long, you've got a pornography problem. So you need to have a better vision of what your marriage can be than what that pornography does for you. I'm just preaching truth up here. Come on now. See, you're going to have to make up your mind. Are you going to get a vision for something better? And then find out where you're hurting. If you're having bitterness toward your spouse, bitterness toward somebody in your life, that's a hurt the devil's going to exploit. You need to go and you need to get a vision for the health that you can have there and get better there. You're going to have to make, ask yourself some questions. The sin that's, set, that's tripping you up, where is it happening? When is it happening? And how is it happening? It's that simple. Where, when, how. And then you know what you need to decide? Don't go there. Cancel the subscription. Don't let that come in your life anymore. Third thing that I really, really want you to get today is you need to pull, listen to me carefully, you need to pull the plug before you pull the trigger on sin. If you allow yourself to live in a, the, the pain and fault and struggles of everybody else's mess, and it's always somebody else's fault the reason you're fighting. It's always somebody else's fault the reason your, your job's not better. It's always somebody else's fault that this is not better and that's not better and this is not better. You need to pull the plug on that junk, get up out of it, clean yourself off, stop living in everybody else's mess, and walk to freedom because you are not being responsible at the moment. You are being responsible. You are doing what you can to respond through Christ who makes you able to overcome in all situations. And I want to get, bring you down to this place today. We're going to fight the enemy. But the Word tells us in our last verse today, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And, praise God for this, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, watch this, He will also provide, what's that say? A way out. Can I tell you that this verse is quoted to me by more sinners than any other verse? I don't understand. God won't put more on me than I can bear. And I'm tired and I'm weary. and I don't want to fight this anymore. But they don't want to do what the verse says. God makes a way out of that sin. It doesn't say God will take it off of you. It says God will help you respond in a way that moves you out of it. You're going to fight it until you beat it. So make up your mind. I'm tired of carrying this. I'm tired of holding this. I'm tired of this struggle in my life. And I'm going to make up my mind and I'm walking out because God's made a way for me to be delivered. Can I tell you what that way is every single time? Do what Jesus said to do. If you obey what Christ told you to do, you will come out victorious.
That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. Thank you.